You're listening to Weekly Devotions with Pastor James, a podcast devoted to helping you with your walk with Jesus. We do this by looking at the scriptures through devotions and messages every week. For more information, you can find us at gardeningthewell.com and would love for you to connect with us over there. Uh, You can visit our blog, you can visit our bookstore, and you can connect with us and shoot us some feedback. Send us questions, maybe something you'd like to hear an episode on. And with that said, uh, let's jump into it today. Bibles open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be uh, ch- uh, finishing up the chapter uh, this morning. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to be verses 16 to 17. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. As you're opening up there, I'm going to read uh, those verses, but I'm going to start at verse 14 this morning, just for a little bit of context. So verses 14 to 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Father God, we are grateful for you today and for your word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would meet with us today. I pray that you would speak into our lives. I pray that you would equip us now so that we may go out and share your word with others this week, even today. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that your blessings would be upon this time. That you'd use me for your kingdom, for your glory, to speak your truth. We give this morning to you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, that was kind of weak. It kind of sounds like you're, you're, you missed an hour of sleep or something this morning. Uh, it's one of those things. I know. Uh, I always hate daylight savings time. Well, this daylight saving time. The other one where you gain an extra hour of sleep is not so bad. But this one, when you lose sleep, uh, it's always a rough morning. And so I decided to give you like a 10-minute sermon today, okay? Because I knew all of you would be asleep. Can you handle that 10 minutes? Yeah, we're not doing 10 minutes. It's going to be more than 10 minutes. No, no, not yet, not yet. But I hope you're all doing well. Uh, This is going to come as a surprise to some of you. Being a parent has a lot of ups and downs, right? There's a lot of ups and downs to being a parent. I'll even say grandparent. You could throw that in there too. Now, I love being a parent. Uh, I really do. Uh, Having four kids, I have been able to and still to some degree I'm able to be a kid myself, right? I am still a kid. Uh, You could ask anybody in my family. uh, Playing with toys, Nerf gun battles, which when I was thinking about it this morning, we haven't had a Nerf gun battle in the house in a while, so I might have to fix that. Uh, Wrestling on the floor, all great stuff that I've been able to do over the last 15 years, and I'm still able to do that, uh, even though I'm in my 40s. Uh, But being a parent also has its confusions. Uh, for the lack of a better word. I don't know if confusions is a proper word, but I'm sure Amy will tell me when I get home if it is or not. Uh, I have to manage the emotions of everybody in the house and my own, which is not always an easy task, and I don't always get right. Um, But you run into things like this. You ask one child what they want for lunch, and they start crying. I don't know, I want to feed you, and you start crying. How, how do you work with that? Like, what do you do with that, right? Over the years, I've had to tell my kids different things like this. Get the fork out of your eye, right? We don't put a fork in our eyeball, right? There's things along those lines that you have to do. And there's been times where I've watched my kids and I've said to myself, 
I am so confused or I'm so disgusted, I don't even know what to say at this point. I will give you an example. I will not mention names. But at one point in time, I had a child who would take their peanut butter and jelly sandwich and dip it into ranch dressing and then eat it, all right? Uh, the ranch dressing was not there for the sandwich. It was there for the carrots that they had, right? But they dipped the sandwich, peanut butter and jelly, in the ranch dressing and then eat it, and they loved it. At that point, I have no clue what to say at that, right? There's all these different things. But it got me thinking. There have been times as a parent, there has been times as a human being where this has happened to me, I have done it, and other people have done it. Maybe you've been in the same boat. Have you ever said something to somebody, and you knew it went in one ear and right out the other ear, and they completely ignored you? We've all been there. It's usually called work, right? We've all been there. We've all been the one that had something go in our ear and right out the other. If we're honest, we've done that to other people. There are other times where we are speaking to other people. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your children. And you know it goes in one ear and right out the other ear. And sometimes it gets so bad that you may even utter this. Why do I even bother to tell you this? Have you ever uttered that under your breath or maybe out loud? Why do I even bother telling you this, right? You feel like you're wasting your time. You feel like you're wasting your breath in speaking to that person. And the reason they do that is because they don't see the value or the importance in what you're saying to them. Now, Paul this morning is going to give to us one of the best declarations about Scripture that we can find in the Scripture itself. And in his words this morning, Paul is going to remind us, tell us, that God has given to you and I a profitable word, not an unprofitable word, that the word of God, The word that God has given to us should be received rightly, properly. Not received as going in one ear and out the other. But it should be grabbed onto because because of its usefulness and its value and the profit that we gain from it. And so I only have two points for you this morning. God breathed and a profitable word. And so we have to start here in verse 16a. And what we read there is this. Paul says this, all scripture is God breathed. Okay, what's the big deal with that, Paul? Why do we have to stop that? Well, we come to this verse, and it is one of the most well-known verses in 2 Timothy. In all of scripture, it is used an awful lot. But as you read that, if you have your own Bibles, you'll be able to pick up on this very easily. But if you don't have your Bibles, you're going to have to trust me. Verse 16 is in the middle of a paragraph which means it's in the middle of a thought that Paul is talking about, continuing. And that's why I had to read verses 14 and 15 to you. Because Paul is continuing with the thought that we started last week talking about. The idea, the thought of continuing on. And so last week I told you that we have to continue on in the midst of the madness that is life. And what we have to continue on with is to continue to follow those people that are godly people so that we can learn from them, of how, how to handle things that come up in life in a, in a godly way. We learn from them, and we need to continue on doing that. But as we saw last week, we also have to continue on with the Word of God, because it's wise to be able to make us, to, able to make us wise for salvation. That we have to continue on with the Word. And so Paul goes, you have to continue on with the Word of God. And he continues that thread in the verse 16 and 17. 
to continue on with the word of God. But here's my question for you. Why? Why does Paul want Timothy and you and I to keep going, to stay with, to stay in the Holy Scriptures? You all know I'm a why person. I'm always asking why. So why should we continue on? Why should we read the Scriptures? Why should we study the Scriptures? Why should we understand them? Why should we apply them to our lives? So often, we don't do something because we don't know or have the why behind it. Paul gives us that why in these verses. Paul tells us that all Scripture is is God-breathed. And that phrase is part of the why. It's all God-breathed. Where some of your Bibles will have inspired by God. This is the reason it's so important. The scriptures are God-breathed. Well, what does that mean? I'll tell you that in a moment, but this is why I want you to understand it's so important. Do you know how Satan deceived Eve? It is the same attack that Satan gives every single day to countless people throughout the world. When Satan came to Eve in the Garden of Eden, He tried to get her to eat the fruit, right? With me, right? Tried getting her to eat the fruit. But how does he do it? He comes up to Eve and he pretty much says this to her. Did God really say not to eat from that tree? He tries to deceive Eve by getting her to doubt what God actually said. And so you could paraphrase it this way. Did God really say that? That was an attack that Satan used against Eve in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? Well, guess what Satan has done and continues to do every single day since that day? He comes to countless people all over the place and goes, did God really say that? You know, like the Bible verse that God helps those who help themselves, right? You know that Bible verse, right? Hopefully you're saying no because it's not in the Bible, right? It's not in the Bible. Same attack. Does God really say that? Did God really say that in his word? And this is why it's important that we understand that scripture, all scripture is God breathed because Satan is going to, if he's not already, trying to attack you in the same way to get you to doubt what God actually says. People still fall fall victim to that all the time. They go, did God really say that? Or how do you know God said that? You know, men wrote those words in that book that you're studying. Men wrote them, so why go by them? And then you have people that just flat out say, God didn't say that. Once again, it is an attack that happens every day. And maybe this morning you sit there wondering the same thing. I think it was last week I asked you if you were convinced of the Scriptures. Are you convinced of the Word of God? You see, Paul tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's important to know that so you don't fall victim to that. Now, I have a question for you. So, are you with me so far? I have a question. It's a hard question, okay? But I figured you can handle it even though you lost sleep, all right? Hard question. Paul says all Scripture is God-breathed. So, here's my question. What does all mean? 
all. Well, you can't use all as an answer when you're trying to define all, right? All means everything, right? All encompasses everything. All is all. You know that. And so Paul says all Scripture is God-breathed. What does he mean by all? He means everything. He means from Genesis through Revelation, every book, all 66 verses. But you need to pick up on what Paul is talking about here. Back in verse 15, Paul uses the phrase, the Holy Scriptures. And I told you last week that the phrase, Holy Scriptures, is speaking to what we call the Old Testament, because that is the Scriptures that Paul knew about. But then you get into verse 16, and Paul changes the way he writes a little bit. He doesn't say Holy Scriptures, he just says the Scriptures. He just says all Scriptures. Because he is referring to what you and I call the Old Testament and the New Testament. Paul knew that God was giving more scripture at this point in time. Paul knew that the things that he was writing to a degree, that God was going to and was using it as scripture. That's why a couple times in different letters that Paul writes, he tells them, read this to the church. This is not just a personal letter. These are scriptures. God is giving them to you. Paul knew that to a degree that the writings of the other apostles, maybe like Matthew or Luke, that God was using as scripture. You have to understand that the apostles knew that they were giving the word of God to people because Peter even calls what Paul writes scripture. Did you know that? Oh, let me show you. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. His, this is Peter's ta talking about Paul. So his there is Paul. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So what does Peter do there? He goes, people distort scripture just like they do at what Paul's writing. He says Paul's writings are scripture. And so Peter literally calls Paul's writings, his letters, scripture. And he says, you know what? They're hard and they're difficult to understand. You see, the original writings of the Bible, the scriptures, were God-breathed. They were and are the scriptures. They are the word of God. All of them. Every single book. So when we look at all 66 books of the Bible, we go, they're scripture. And they're God-breathed. So if you look at a book in the Old Testament or the New Testament, and you go, this book doesn't matter. Have you ever read the book of Habakkuk? What about Amos? What about Joel? What about Zephaniah? How about 1st or 2nd Chronicles? Have you ever read that? How about Leviticus? How about all 150 Psalms? You read all of them? When there's a book in the Bible that we ignore because we don't want to read it, we don't want to study it, we don't want to understand it for some reason or another, what we are doing is going, you know what? I don't care. I don't care that that is considered to be Scripture. I don't care that is, that is God-breathed. Well, Pastor, you keep using that phrase, God-breathed. Well, what, what does the phrase God-breathed mean? <clears throat> well, it means to be inspired by God. That it's God's Word. These Scriptures, what we have, that what God has preserved for us, is his word to us. 
Like, you ever realize that? Now, here's the thing. It's going to take faith on your part to look at the scriptures and believe that it's God's word, but it's also going to take faith for you to not believe that they're God's word. These are all God-inspired words. And so what Paul is saying is this. God breathed into and through these men, that God spoke through these men, that when Paul was writing down these words, it was the Lord using him to write God's words. As Peter says in 2 Peter that men were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write what they did. And what Peter does is he gives us a picture. How many of you have ever seen a sailboat? Okay. How does a sailboat move? Wind. Okay, good. Nobody said an engine. So a sailboat moves, right? Right. Sailboat moves when the wind fills up the sail and pushes it, right? You all have that picture in mind. When Peter says in 2 Peter that the Holy Spirit guided or carried these men to write what they did. It is the picture of a sailboat sails being filled with wind and carried along. And what Peter is telling us, and Paul is telling us the same thing here in 2 Peter, is that God, the Holy Spirit, has inspired and carried the men along the lines to write what they wrote. That it is God speaking through these people, through these men. Yes, Paul and Matthew and Mark and Luke and all of them, they are the ones that actually wrote the words. And yes, they are the words that were in their vocabulary and their writings that came from their own personality. That's why all the authors are different. But it is God inspiring them. It is God speaking through them. It is God guiding them, directing them to what to write. What Paul is telling us is that every word in Scripture is the word that God wanted where he wanted it. You, you need to get that. Every word in Scripture is the exact word that God wants there. Like every time you read a, or I, or the, or of, that word is the exact word that God wants in that exact place. Because if you were to change any of those words, like the Jehovah Witnesses do in John chapter 1, it changes the whole meaning of everything. And so why are we to continue on with the Scripture? Paul says because they're all God-breathed. They're inspired by God. They're literally God's Word. So when you look at the Scriptures, yes, men wrote it, but it was God telling them what to write, and they wrote word for word what God was telling them to write. Now with that said, I'm going to ask you something. The last time you read the scripture, maybe this morning, maybe it was yesterday, last night, whatever the case may be. The last time you read the scriptures, did you realize that it was God speaking to you? That these words are the very words of God that he wants to convey to you for a host of many different reasons. Now, you may say that you believe the Scriptures and that they're important to you. But do you know that our actions may show otherwise? You know, if you don't read the Scriptures regularly, you show that you don't fully believe or care that they are the words of God? If I was lazy in my preparation for a message, it would show that I don't care or fully believe that these are the very words of God. 
when we look at a passage and go, you know what, I think that passage in the Bible is wrong. Or I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do the opposite of it anyways. We actually show that we don't believe or care that they are the very words of God. And so why continue in the scriptures? Well, Paul says because they're the very words of God. That God has given to you. And we miss sight of that. We really do. But why has God given us these words? Well, for a host of many reasons, but Paul only gives us four this morning, right? So I'm going to lay these at your feet, right? Verse 16b, the second part of verse 16 and verse 17. So Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Love this. I love the word and. Because Paul says, don't just continue in the scripture because they're God-breathed, because they're God-breathed and they're useful, profitable. Some of you don't have the word useful, you have the word profitable in your Bible. I like the sound of profitable better. But Paul literally goes, hey, these are God's words, which should have us run to them all the time anyways. But then he goes on and says, you know what? They're useful. They're profitable. If you're going to buy the sermon notes, you should be somewhere around along the lines of a question that I ask you if you're going to agree with me on something. And here's the question. Or this is a statement, rather. Do you know why, generally speaking, people stop reading the scriptures and stop going to church? Now, I can give you a whole host of things that are done in studies and, you know, polls and everything along those lines. I can answer it very logically. Generally speaking, the reason people stop reading the scriptures and they stop going to church is simply this. They no longer find the word of God or church useful, important, or valuable. Why? And you can argue with me all you want. Why don't you read the scriptures anymore? Eh. And I get, I, I've been given so many different reasons. Like, I, I think I could write a book of just reasons why people have don't read the scriptures. It boils down to this. You don't think they're useful. You don't think they're profitable. You don't think there's no value in it. Why do people stop coming to church? Because they stop seeing the value in corporate worship. They no longer see the value and the importance of coming together and worshiping God together as the body of Christ. And so what happens is this. We find more value in Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and TV than we do in the Word of God. We find sports and entertainment more valuable and more important then we do the word of God. We find sports and entertainment and state fairs and shopping and sleeping more valuable and more important than coming together as the body of Christ to worship the God that has saved us. We don't see the value and the importance of it. We don't see the profit to it anymore. And this is people in the church and outside of the church we don't see the word of God as useful anymore. 
Do you honestly answer that question? Do you find the Word of God useful in your day-to-day life? Answer it, because it's an incredibly important question. Because what happens, in most cases, people will go, the Word of God is not useful or profitable to me in my daily life. The Word of God is out of date. It's out of reality. It has nothing to do with it. The Word of God can't speak to my marriage today in 2023. The Word of God can't speak to my work issues that I face nowadays. The Bible can't speak to the financial issues that I have today. The Bible can't speak to the anxiety and the depression and the lack of meaning and the lack of purpose that fills society today. The Word of God is not useful. It can't speak to any of that. And here's my response. Are you serious? That's why people stop reading the Scriptures. They don't find the importance in it. It's not useful. And so what do we do? We Google something. We pull up a video on YouTube. And we'll listen to the person on YouTube who we know nothing about. Talk about marriage or finances or anxiety or depression or something along those lines. And go, oh, that stranger just told me what I needed to know. And you know nothing about them. You could be listening to somebody whose marriage is down the drain telling you how to have a good marriage or fix your marriage. Well, you wouldn't know that because you're only seeing them through the screen where God is going, hey, I have a whole lot on everything. We don't find it useful anymore. See, your life and my life shows if you find value and a usefulness to the Word of God. And when we no longer find or believe that the Word of God is useful in our lives, then you know what we do? We ignore God. We ignore His Word. Then we ignore His church. And then we drift away not caring about Jesus at all. If that is you, you are missing out on the greatest profit your life can ever have apart from salvation in Christ on this side of heaven. You see, the... God's word is useful for life. Every aspect of life. But Paul only mentions four of them here. And I can't fully unpack all of them because we don't have the time. So I'll I'll lay them at your feet a little bit. But Paul tells us that God's word is useful for teaching. Now when you hear teaching, you probably think the process of teaching or that it's good to teach off of. And, And that is true. Thankfully, the Word of God is good to teach from and teach off of because if it wasn't, I wouldn't have a job, right? I'd still be cutting lunch mean at Wegmans, right? But that's not exactly what Paul is trying to get across there with that word teaching, right? What Paul means by that is that the Scriptures, all of them, and get that, all of them is true. They're true. They convey the truth. And this is why I preach through Bibles. Uh, through the whole Bible, through the books of the Bible. In the 16 years I'm here, I'm in my 42nd book out of 66 teaching through. And the reason I do that is so that we can get all of Scripture, not just jumping around topic to topic. But Paul is telling us the Word of God is useful for truth. That, In other words, it's the Word of God has everything you need for truth to build your life upon It is truth. The Word of God is truth. And because of that, it should be the foundation of your life. 
Jesus tells us in John chapter 17, speaking of the Father, he says, your word is truth. What does Jesus say in John chapter 14? He says, I am the way, the life, the truth. He says, I am truth. Jesus is also the word. Did you know that? He's the word. John calls Jesus the word. The word is useful in teaching us truth, teaching us the principles that are good, right, and godly, that we can build our lives upon. And what happens is this, the more you study and the more you learn God's word, what happens is you start building a foundation of your life. You have all these truths, all these principles that you're building your life on. And when something happens, you're able to rest on those truths. You're able to rest on those principles. You're able to use them in your life as you go through something. And there's many times I've actually had people tell me this. I don't get anything from your messages. Okay. It happens. But even when you don't get anything, you're getting something. Because the Holy Spirit is taking God's word and is putting it within you. And it's building a foundation. It's nourishing you, even when you don't realize it. Friends, our world tells you that there is no truth, or that truth can be anything you want it to be. Well, how is that working out for us? People are crumbling left and right in our culture and our society. Why? Because they have no truth. They have no principles. There's no truthful foundation that their lives are built upon. It's all rocky soil. And when any storm comes up, it washes the foundation out, and people just crumble left and right because there's no truthful foundation for them to stand on. And God's word goes, hey, I'm truth. You can build upon me, and you'll be safe and secure. But it's not just that God's word is good to teach us. Paul goes on to say it's useful to rebuke. Well, there's the fun one. Aren't you glad you woke up, came to church today? I tell you how God's word can rebuke you. Well, it's good. God's word is useful in rebuking us. And we don't like this. God's word calls us out. God's word is going to tell you that you are wrong on things. That we're teaching something wrong, believing something wrong living in a way that is wrong. Scripture rebukes us. It calls us out. You know what scriptures do? It convicts us of sin. I don't know if you ever had this happen, but you're reading along in the scriptures and you go, all of a sudden, oh my word, that's me. Like all those sinful things that are just listed in the scriptures, I'm doing those. Those are the things that are in my life. I told you the other week, God's word is like a surgeon's scalpel that's going to cut into our lives. It rebukes us because we read along going, you know what? I'm the one that has the pride. I'm the one that's lying. I'm the one that's getting drunk. I'm the one that is coveting. I'm the word that the word is talking about here. And it convicts us of our sin. But it's not just our sin that the scriptures rebuke us of. The word of God rebukes us for your emotions and your thoughts. You see, the word of God is the only thing that cuts into and rebukes you for all that inner stuff. You see, the word of God is the only thing that can do that. You see, I can call you out or you can call me out about lying or being prideful or covetous things 
All those external things we can see and call out on each other. But I don't know what you're thinking right now. I don't know what you were thinking yesterday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know what kind of emotions you had running through your heart and running through your mind. See, nobody else knows those inner things, but God does. And because of that, when you're reading the scriptures, you come across scripture that is calling out your emotions and your thought life that nobody else knows, and it is God rebuking you for those things that are going on within you. And he's trying to rebuke you because that's what God's word is useful for. And now at that, people always go, you know what? You're right. God's word does. It makes me feel guilty, but I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want all that guilt laid upon me. I don't want to carry that. And so that's why a lot of times people ignore the scriptures because they don't want the scriptures to rebuke them. But do you know the word of God doesn't just stop there? The word of God doesn't just say, you know what, you're wrong. It actually goes on to something else. You see, Paul goes, the word of God is useful because it doesn't just leave us in that spot of being cut open and left bare when we're rebuked. But Paul goes, the word of God is useful for correcting. I fell in love with that word correcting this week. And I'll tell you why. Being corrected is not always beneficial or good. Depends on how the person does it, right? There's been many times you've been corrected by something like, well, there's probably a better way for you to correct me in, in that. We've all been there, right? But the word that Paul he uses here doesn't necessarily mean to correct our falsehood or our, or our character, but it means this. The Greek word that he uses there literally means to straighten up. What it means. It means to straighten up. It means to be put back together again. It means to change behavior. I found this analogy this week, and I'm going to test you on it, right? How many of you know Humpty Dumpty? Some of you know Humpty Dumpty, some of you do not. All right, so here we go. We're going to say Humpty Dumpty, all right? So we're, you got you to stay with me because you're falling asleep, but I want you to understand this analogy. Ready? Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, all right? Wait, you got to sat on a wall, right? Who's... Uh, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, right? All the kings and all the kings couldn't, yeah, couldn't put Humpty together again. I mean, what does that have to do with the word correct, Pastor? This is why you come to church, because you never know what's going to happen. See, none of you woke up today going, I'm going to recite Humpty Dumpty in the sermon part of the church today, right? Usually, if Humpty Dumpty is put to a picture, if you would, or, or, or a video, he's usually referenced as some sort of egg or something like that that cracks, right? You with me on that, right? Then Humpty Dumpty, he fell, he cracked, he broke, but they weren't able to put him back together again. You're all with me on that, right? If they were able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, that's what this word correcting means. I'll give you a moment to process that. If the horses, which I don't know how horses put somebody back together again, right? But if the horses and the men were able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again after his fall, that's what this word correcting means. It means to straighten up again. It means to straighten back up. And that's what the word of God is useful for. 
Yes, the, the word of God is useful for giving us the truth and the principles to build our lives upon. The word of God is useful for correcting us and rebuking us and convicting us of our sin and laying us bare and open and kind of wounded where we're cut open by the word of God and our sinfulness. But then the word of God, and this is what people miss, then the word of God comes along and corrects us, straightens us back up again. It puts us back together. And I love that picture. That is so missing in the lives of people today. We think God's word isn't useful. You don't think so? Think about this. How many people, in how many ways, in the life that you have lived, of the lives of people you know, have had a great fall in one way or another, and their lives were shattered? I'm pretty sure we could all make a list of that happening in the lives of people. Well, how do they put their lives back together again? Well, they turn to this person and that person, they turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to shopping, they turn to whatever, all these different events to try to put their lives back together again. And maybe from an external sense, it has a picture of their lives back together, but internally the emptiness is still there, the pain is still there, the hurt is still there, the questions of why are still there. They haven't been straightened up again, they haven't been corrected. And Paul goes, God's word well, yes, we'll cut you and leave you bare and convict you of your sin. But God doesn't leave you there like that. His word comes along and corrects you and restores you, builds you back up, puts you back together again. That is this word correcting. But it doesn't stop there. Then he goes on to say that God's word is useful for teaching us, or training us, rather, in righteousness. Righteousness there means right thinking, right actions, right words, right emotions. The word training means to bring to maturity, to train, to nurture, to raise up as somebody does with a child. What an amazing picture of God's word. So to teach you the truth and principles to build your life upon, to rebuke you and convict you of your sin, to correct you, to build you back up, and then to train you, nurture you, mature you, like a parent does with a child. And we sit back and go, God's word is outdated and has no use and no profit anymore. Really? And all that you see in the world today, and yet we don't realize that what we need is the truth of God to be our foundation, to be rebuked by God. You and I need to be rebuked by God. It's good. And then we need to be put together again by God and trained up by God. Why? Or as Paul says in verse 17, so that the man of God, in the technical sense, that phrase man of God speaks to a pastor, but in its general sense, it's just speaking to any man or woman of God who is a Christian, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That if you want to serve God, if you want to live for God, you need to be equipped by God, and God equips you in and through and with his word as he teaches you, as he rebukes you, as he corrects you, as he trains you. If you are not in the word, then you're not being equipped 
to do what God is calling you to do. To grow means to be in the Word. And so here's my question. God's Word is useful. So I may ask you, what part of God's Word do you need the most in your life now? Do you need the truth? truthful principles and the foundations to build your life upon in a world that is crumbling and trying to get you to build your life on the things of this world? Do you need to be rebuked by God's word and laid bare because of your sin? Do you need to be corrected by God's word or trained by God's word? I'll tell you this once more. If you ignore the scriptures, you are ignoring the greatest prophet you can ever receive on this side of heaven, outside of salvation in Christ. That's how useful and profitable the word of God is. And we must not, cannot, ever ignore it. And that is why we need to continue on in it. Because it's God's word and it is useful for your daily life. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you are. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to study it, to learn it, to grow in it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would rebuke us. I pray that you would correct us. I pray that you would train us, that we would be men and women who are equipped to serve you whenever you call us to. We give this to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.